I look forward to spending, you know, about the next 45 minutes with all of you talking about how you can strategically position your estate plan in this ever-evolving political and economic client, uh, climate as we move forward. So, you know, some of what we're going to discover together today um, is what, what and how do we have good estate planning documents? How do we preserve assets uh, for our legacy? And for everybody on here, our legacy might be a little different. That's you know, part of who our beneficiaries are, but also what's important uh, to us to um, leave behind. Also how to protect your assets. We have to protect our assets sometimes from the cost of long-term care to make sure our spouse um, isn't left impoverished. We also have to protect assets against changing taxes um, so we can retire with a certain amount of money. And every one of us wants to make sure that we don't outlive our money in retirement and how much that money buys can change based on taxes. And we're gonna talk a lot about that later. Um, and then new legislation and tax considerations that could affect social security, retirement, how your estate is taxed while you're alive and also how it's taxed um, upon our death. One of the things that has not changed um, in this political environment um, is just the need for you to understand that this is something that you have to take control of yourself. Um, there's no agency or anybody that's gonna call you and tell you they have the perfect answer for this. You know, yesterday I was working with a family that I've been personally friends with for many years. And um, unfortunately the husband's in a nursing home and the son really felt like he didn't need my law firm and our services because they had filed an application and a, an estate worker had told them everything would be okay. And the reality of it is it would be okay right now, but there's no plan. They don't know how to protect themselves of you know, what's gonna happen in the future. Um, and that's really important. So getting educated and understanding, it's why it's great that you guys um, are on here today. Um, and I know some of you are already our clients and I think it's wonderful that people um, stay updated and learn how things are gonna change um, and how that may affect the planning that you've already done. But if you will, just for a minute, just think about what is it that you really want? You know, um, what would be your ideal future? So as we live out our life, um, what would be the, the good final outcome? You know, so for me, you know, having a plan in place, um, making sure that, you know, if I know for me, I have three children and a husband, you know, making sure if I got sick, I wasn't overly a burden on people. So I, I wanna be organized. Um, so that it's easier for them to help advocate and care for me. Um, protecting your spouse and your beneficiary. So if one of, if you're married and one of you gets sick, that the other one's not left financially compromised. Um, also, I know for many people, you know, if we may, waved a magic wand, one of the things that would be really important is to, you know, avoid conflict within families. So everybody wants their kids to get along um, after they're gone. And we know for sure that the best way for that happen to happen is to have a set plan in writing uh, that's very clear so that people don't get different ideas. Um, for many years, I was court appointed uh, to help in situations where families weren't getting along. And what I found in that situation is that most people really, really believed that what they thought mom wanted 
It was really what they thought. They weren't making it up. Maybe mom had made a comment 10 years earlier. Things may have changed, but it wasn't about good kid versus bad kid. It was about two or three kids that all had a different perception. And the nice thing about an estate plan is that you can avoid that conflict because we can all talk about it together. Um, be better prepared for the challenges of tomorrow. You know, we're on here today because we're talking about ever-changing political and economic environment, um, and that's not gonna change. You know, we can't just lay plans and think that they're forever gonna work. One of the things that we really try to look at in our office is to look forward and say, we have a plan today, but is that gonna work if I pass away or get sick tomorrow? But also, do we think it'll work if it's 20 or 30 years from now? Um, and I think at the end of the day, for a lot of people, you might think, you know, if you could just have a plan and have peace of mind and how important that would be. So at our office, we, we work with a lot of people who um, have these issues. And this is you know, a testimonial from Anne who talks about how helpful it was. You know, it's kind of like waving a magic wand when she found our firm and we were able to help. Um, in this situation, um, a friend of a friend had, had suggested that she come to our office um, and we, we made an appointment, she came in, um, we listened to her concerns and we made a plan. Um, and it basically worked out together for her as a, the best solution. And that's what we want for all of our clients. We want to be able to find a solution for you that you feel comfortable with and works and gives you peace of mind. So as Kyle said, I am a certified elder law attorney. I'm the founding partner of Steinbacher Goodall and Yearcheck. We have a great team of people that work here. We have offices in Williamsport and State College. And basically every day we help people answer three questions. And the first question is, what happens if you die? Who gets your stuff? Who gets the couch and the hummels and the bank accounts and who gets all of that? And also, how can we make sure it gets to them in the simplest, most cost advantage manner possible? So we want to make sure that if somebody passes away, it's not hard for the kids or whoever the beneficiaries are to get to that stuff. And so we want to think about that. The second question is, what happens if we don't die when we get sick? And for most of us in retirement years, um, we're worried about what happens if I outlive my money? And the biggest threat to outliving your money is the cost of long-term care. So what do we do today to get prepared for that? Um, and that sometimes is also a combination of tax law. Sometimes that requires using financial advisors. Um, sometimes that requires different, um, different people to work together. Um, but that's definitely something for some people, they come in and we, we do trust work for them. For some people that's not gonna work as well. But the reality is we wanna know what happens if you get sick? How do you get good care? How do you make sure you don't run out of money? And then the third question is, what happens if you don't just get sick, but you, you know, have an Alzheimer's diagnosis or some other form of dementia? And that's a difficult struggle. Um, it's a personal struggle for many people. I know that my father-in-law struggled with it for 14 years. And even knowing what I know, um, it was hard. Um, but what I do know is having a plan and knowing what the obstacles are in front of us makes that easier. And so we spend extra time and have extra services for those families to get answers to questions that you're not going to get elsewhere um, or that it's not easy to get elsewhere so that you go from being in this crisis mode all the time to having a plan. I can't stop the disease. I can't make it better, but I can make your experience better. 
um, just by having some control over it. So we're also, um, I'm the author of over, author of over six books. Um, and many of these books you can get from our office simply by requesting them. So there's books that are specific to Alzheimer's and dementia, and they're specific to like, how do you protect your family? What do you need to know for the second half of life? And so if that's um, anything you want, bottom line for me, I've always believed that part of my job as an attorney is to provide education to people. So pre-pandemic, we had a lot of seminars at our resource center, and now we're online. And my job is to be able to help you um, know what's out there um, in any faction I can. And we're always happy uh, to do that. I myself am also was recently elected to the ACTEC, which is the American College of Trust and Estate uh, Council, which I'm really excited about. There's only 96 attorneys in Pennsylvania um, who, have, who are part of that. Um, and actually only five attorneys in the Northeast or North Central Pennsylvania, if you thought about like from the Poconos to State College. And that happens a lot. Sometimes it's harder for rural attorneys um, to be able to be accepted into these types of memberships. So what we see across Pennsylvania is most of those attorneys are in Philadelphia or Pittsburgh, not good or bad, just a reality. Um, so both myself and Amos Goodall are members of, of that American College of Trust and Estate Council. I'm also recognized as a super lawyer in 2020 and have a superb 10 rating um, on AVO. Um, probably the thing that I love the most is um, in 2019, I was uh, given the opportunity to make a presentation, um, a TED talk, um, and it was about how we can um, help the Alzheimer's journey. Um, it's, an, it's a TED talk that really talked about the fact that many times our elders are forgotten and they're disengaged from our society and that makes it worse and that we as a nation could do a better job. Um, I also was selected to give a TED talk in 2020, but wasn't able to do that um, because of the COVID pandemic. So Harry's another person that our office has been able to help um, and he also described, you know, coming to our office, having an initial consultation, hearing what we could do, having us find out about his personal situation was really helpful um, to him. And I know that, you know, those of you on here today, um, this isn't about Harry. It's not about Anne. It's not about me. It's about you. Um, and it's about, um, so what you need, um, wherever your estate plan is at. Um, so my goal for you today um, is to give you something that you can take away for yourself and that you can um, apply to your own situation. So what we're going to discover is first the right information, uh, because there's a lot of misinformation out there. Um, and this is what we do. It's what I do every day. It's what I'm passionate about doing. Um, and it, it's unfortunate uh, that sometimes um, people have a lot of misinformation. We're also gonna talk about essential estate planning documents. So I'm an attorney, I have to talk about the documents, right? But also these become even more important during COVID. Um, and then providing for what your legacy is um, and protecting your asset. But before we dive into these items, um, we wanna think about where we are right now and where we're gonna go with all of that and what you personally wanna do. So when I think about it, I think about legacy planning um, as, as you yourself, your family, and for some of you on here, your businesses. Um, that's really, really important. Um, and we're gonna talk about, I know on the screen it says five things. Um, that's 
my, I'm a good attorney, but I'm not so good with technology. Um, it, this PowerPoint slide is going to actually talk about the four things we need to know uh, to take time and to address. Um, there was a fifth one, and I actually took it out um, for um, time uh, as, we, as we move forward. So, so first of all, protecting ourselves with our doc, with ourself first does start with good legal documents. And when the pandemic hit, one of the first things our law office did is we um, worked with our website, paeldercouncil.com, to put up there a free healthcare power of attorney. Anybody could get on there right now, fill out a form, and for free have a healthcare power of attorney because we knew everybody needed one. We knew what happens if you get COVID and you can't make your own decisions, that you need to have somebody who can. And even though there's defaults within Pennsylvania law, they may not appoint the person you want them to. Uh, so in Pennsylvania law, for instance, the default is um, if it's a second marriage, it's my spouse and my children together. And if I have one spouse, because you can't have more than that, um, but three children, it's kind of three votes versus one. And so, you know, it's a situation we don't want. So we have powers of attorneys and they're generally documents um, that say this is who I want to make decisions. We also have wills, trusts, um, and so there's lots of different documents, but let's, I think the single most important document is a power of attorney. And again, that's a document that says, um, if I can't make my own decisions, so let's say I'm in a car accident and I'm you know, not able to make those decisions or I have a stroke, this is the person that we're going to be able, is going to be able to make those um, decisions for us. So why do we all need them? Well, again, there's a common misconception that if I'm married to somebody, my spouse can make my decisions for me. But the law does not assume that you like your spouse. They didn't, does not assume that you want your spouse to make these decisions. Um, the divorce rate, you know, is over 50%. So it's not a good assumption, right? Um, so you actually have to have a power attorney that appoints your spouse uh, to make healthcare, financial decisions. Um, if you don't have a power of attorney and you're not able to make your own decisions, you then will have to petition the court um, to appoint a guardian. And that, even pre-pandemic, took about three months. Today, it could take much longer because the courts are not open in the same manner that they were before. Um, but also, we have this time period where we don't have a decision maker. And that's hard. Uh, it could cost us lots of money, thousands upon thousands of dollars. But it also makes it, you know, we talked back about, you know, waving that magic wand about what was important to us. Um, that also makes it so that um, it's a more of a burden on our family. And so many people that I meet with, getting your ducks in a row, getting your plan together, your legacy is about, is about protecting money and taxes. But it's also about not, not being a burden on your family not having everything so disorganized that it becomes really difficult for people to respond to help you. And so that's really, really important. Also, for any of you on here who own businesses, I think it's a disservice that many people don't have a power of attorney for their business. Like in my situation, I, my husband is my power of attorney. If I couldn't pay our bills, I couldn't talk to the doctor. I would definitely want my husband to do that. But he may not be the best person to take over the law firm. He's not an attorney. He doesn't 
really want to do a whole bunch of paperwork and do those types of things. Um, you know, he does excavation and demolition for a living. If you need a garage tore down, he's really good at that. Uh, but, you know, so the, the point is he wouldn't be the best person. So I would need to pick somebody else. So maybe an employee that I had at the office who I really, really trusted um, to be making those business decisions. And when we think about, you know, setting up a business and the succession of all of that, um, I think it's important that we think about um, all of these documents. I'm not going to get into them very much. Um, we have another section on succession planning. But so many times, I'll just be honest with you, we think about waving that magic wand. Just identifying these documents and knowing what they are is so helpful. I sometimes work with families for months when somebody gets sick and we can't find the stuff. Um, you know, it doesn't exist or somebody just hasn't kept it up to date. Uh, and I think for so many people, just identifying assets and knowing where it's at is really, really important. But I think, you know, for everybody, the bottom line is if you don't have those documents or they're older, that is really the first step. It's not enough, though. I mean, it's a first step because and it's so important because you will decide who makes decisions for you. And if I'm in a crisis situation and I have a decision maker in your family, I can do a lot. But it really isn't enough because it's not a plan. So I know who the decision maker is, but I really don't know what decisions you want made. I don't, I mean, I know some of them, but I don't know exactly. And so um, I would say to you, documents are really important. And so for, and for some attorneys, that's all they do. You go to them, they ask you what you want in your document, they put it in and away you go. And for me, it's so much bigger than that. Um, we need to have a plan. And some of that goes into back this ever-changing world. You know, unfortunately, things have changed, both because of COVID, but I'm going to tell you in the next year, things are going to change again. Um, and based on those changes, we would may, may have to pay, change, make changes to existing estate plans. Um, and that will be up to the individual. You know, here's what the change in the law has been. Here's how it affects you. And, and how do you feel about that? But for number one, good estate planning documents are always really important. And then number two, um, preserving your assets for your legacy. So to think about, um, we think about preserving assets, we can think about so many different things. In this situation, we're thinking about it from the perspective of taxes. And one of the things that happens is we sometimes make decisions for like IRAs, 401ks. If you have any money that's in an IRA, a 401k, or any other what they call qualified money, we always have to think about what's the income taxation. So if I have an IRA and it's worth $100,000 and I give it to my kids upon my death, I'm not really giving them $100,000 because when they pull it out, they have to pay the income taxes off of it. One of the things that's really important, I still see a lot of, unfortunately, is that when people work with their financial advisors who may do a phenomenal job of setting up the IRA and making it grow, they don't always understand how the beneficiary designations can affect taxes. And there was a huge law change last year called the SECURE Act, which made that even more important. Um, and so that's one of the things that we want to do. Basically, what we need to know is that 
we've all been told, put money in IRAs, put money away for retirement. And that was a great thing to do. And it's great to have that money in retirement, but it's actually not a great thing to die with. And so with some of my clients, we work on, well, should we systematically withdraw IRAs, money from our IRA? Maybe because we're now in a lower tax bracket and we can take a little bit more out um, every year. We also worry about what happens when our kids inherit it or our beneficiaries. I would say, you know, a good example for everybody is if you wanted to give any money to a charity, like your church or a local charity, um, or national one, it wouldn't matter. Uh, we often want to use that IRA money to do that. So sometimes people come and they want to give 10% of their will to you know something. And I would say to you, it would be better to give that IRA money. I'm not saying all of it. I'm saying some of it. Um, that's the bucket that we put it out of. And that's because charities don't pay income tax. So if we think about it, let's say in my situation, you know, I have $100,000. And I have three kids, and I want 10% of it to go to my church. I actually don't want to do a will that says 10% goes to my church, $10,000, and the rest equally to my kids, um, because if part of what my kids get is an IRA, I would have been better to send that to my church, and they would still get the whole $10,000. So we really want to think about that. And what I find um, is that a lot of times people haven't um, shifted their focus from, you know, understanding that a financial advisor is really good at helping us accumulate wealth, let it grow, to how do we protect what we have? So for a lot of us, we, we have what we have. And yes, it can grow a little, but we want to make sure we keep what we have. You know, maybe it doesn't need to grow a huge amount, but we certainly don't want it to, you know, end. and so we want to think about that. We also want to think about tax laws like the Pension Protection Act. So that's a law that says if I take some money from my IRA or certain types of annuities and I use to pay that for long-term care, I'll never pay the tax on it. Um, and that's one of the things we, we work with our clients. So we're not going to make extra money for you, but we make sure that the, the bucket that you're pulling out of to pay for care um, or to plan to pay for care in the future um, is a bucket that um, is gonna be the best tax advantage for you. Um, so really important. Now, whenever I speak, I always try to tell everybody, what could they do today, even if they never came to my office to protect themselves? So here's the golden nugget for that. Um, if you have anything that has a beneficiary designate on it, a designation on it, so it could be a TOD, which means transfer on death, a POD, which means pay on death. They all mean the same thing. You have life insurance. You have IRA money. You have any of that stuff. It is really important that you contact the company or the advisor that's helping you with them, the agent, and ask them who your current beneficiaries are listed as. And the reason that you want to do this is two. One, we never want your estate to be the beneficiary um, because that's going to cost extra money. It could cost lots of extra money or it could cost a little bit of extra money, but it's always going to cost extra money. And the second thing is we want to make sure it is the people that we, that we want it to be. I cannot tell you how many times anymore people send in change of beneficiary forms and get something back from the company and the company says, yeah, we have that on file. 
Um, and then when the person passes away, when we contact the company, there's something else on file. So just this week, I was talking to um, a woman that I've known my whole life. Uh, she's one of my neighbors and her husband died and the life insurance company was going to pay the life insurance, not to her, but to somebody else. And we had in our file um, proof that it was supposed to go to her. And the company didn't have that, even though we had sent it to them and they had sent us back a letter verifying that. Today, what you have to know is that if you have named beneficiaries, whether or not that aligns with what uh, the company has on record has to do with how well somebody data entries. Um, and so it's, I think it's worth everybody's time um, to do that. Um, and always remember, you want it to be a person or a trust, never an estate. Um, and that's an oversimplification, but it's enough for you to kind of start that conversation um, as you move forward. <clears throat> so, Let's think about this, you know, this conversation from the perspective of, you know, we're about, uh, we're about to get a new president. And more than that, we're about to have a situation where one party is going to control all branches. So they're going to control the House, they're going to control the Senate, and the presidency. And so we want to think about how does that affect all of this? And we're going to talk about a little bit of it now. We're going to talk about it a little bit later. So what I have up here, you know, I don't have, just so you guys know, full disclosure, I don't have any special line or any special um, information. This is just stuff we've gotten from reading. Um, but part of my job is to worry about this stuff. When I do your estate planning, I worry about what's going to happen in the future. And in order for me to do a good job, I have to develop a skill set to read and think about and worry uh, because if I do something for you today, I have to know, do I think that's gonna last or do I think the law is gonna change? Um, now, I can't tell you I'm perfect at deciding those things, but it is something I worry about. So, you know, I think some, some people are really concerned about a lot of tax changes. And I have to tell you, I doubt we'll get to them for a while. Um, and that's because, you know, first we have to deal with COVID-19 and hopefully getting people vaccinated, you know, hopefully that's going to get better because there was a whole bunch of federal money released um, in December. So part of it, we had these vaccines, but then our local health officials never got any money to put it into place. And I will tell you, I'm getting a little frustrated um, with Pennsylvania and not at any one person. It has more to do with our ongoing structure. So in other states, they have a statewide effort. In Pennsylvania, as always, we have 67 different counties doing 67 different things. Um, but what I'm seeing is some other states are kind of getting ahead of us. So I don't know if anybody on here has been able to get a vaccine yet, um, but there's certainly other states where um, people are. So, but with President Biden, he's gonna be dealing with this pandemic. Um, there's also a struggling economy um, and issues of social injustice are going to do it. But one of the thing I will tell you is President Biden has for a long time had a comprehensive plan for caregivers. So where do I think um, it, I mean, I think that this would not be put before Congress until 2021, um, but I think it's really helpful. And I'll be honest with you, I'd be fully in favor for something like this. It basically gives a tax credit for people who are caregiving. So I've seen a lot of people over the years who um, are caregiving for their mom, 
Um, the statistics will show, or mom or dad or a family member, the statistics will show that many people who are caregiving either take a, a, a lesser job, part-time, give up promotions because there's too much going on in their lives. So in my husband's situation, when he was caregiving for his dad, he wasn't able to go back to work full-time. Um, now, luckily, he has a trade and he was able to pick up work um, pretty easily. Um, there was always somebody who could use his skill set, but he had planned to go back to work full time and, and work at a job with benefits, but wasn't able to. So um, this is what it would do is it would give a tax credit for informal caregivers. So if somebody was you know, caring for their parent, and just so you know, there's some good definitions within the law. It's not just stopping and getting K and KFC and dropping it off to my parent, but you know, a caregiving that is more extensive. Um, that would give a tax credit. Um, and, you know, there, there are uh, parts of there that go on the federal poverty guideline. So 125% of the federal poverty guideline, we're talking about people who are not making a huge amount of money or just trying to make ends meet. And if they're taking time off of work to care for their parent, it does become difficult. So that's a, that's a good thing. I always start, I always try to start with something positive, no matter what we're talking about. So that's a very positive thing. Um, I think that we can expect to see, and I think it's um, far too long in this country that we haven't acknowledged the dedication of many um, of our caregivers. Um, I have represented families through the years who have ended up getting divorced, um, the stress of it all has been too much. They miss their own kids' soccer games. Um, and so I think that's a really good thing. Um, Social Security. So what's going to happen with Social Security? There's no doubt that something's going to happen to Social Security um, because it's you know set to run out and become insolvent. Um, <clears throat> so um, what, what seems to be the most out there is to extend the taxation on the highest earners. So I, if I were you, I would not be concerned about my social security check. Um, I also, even if you're younger on here, so if you're more child listening or we'll say, um, you know, somebody early in their career, um, I wouldn't be concerned. Um, so basically, I think the way that they will fix that, and this would be consistent with something President Biden historically would have um, said yes to, is they will increase the taxation on higher wage earners. So right now, if somebody makes um, over $132,000 a year, they stop paying the social security tax. Um, the 7.5% that comes from the employee, the 7.5% that comes from the business, I think that they'll, they'll raise that. Um, and interestingly, just by doing that one thing, they could make social security solvent. So I, I know there's a lot out there that suggests that you're going to lose your social security check or it's going to be reduced. I think that could happen to the next generation. I think they're, you know, just like they increase the age that you are to retire. But I, I wouldn't worry about that. I think sometimes there's scare tactics um, that happens. And I, I think that, um, you know, with a Biden administration, they're likely to endorse um, taxing higher wage earners. Um, I'm not saying that's right or wrong. I'm just saying that's where I would think that that would end up going. So, so this is where this should be number three. It's number four. And I made these changes right before I started, but I didn't save it. But here we go. 
So what's the third thing we really need to know, which is how to protect our assets. So here's where I talked about earlier about what happens if I need to go into a nursing home. See, what's happened to all of us is we're living longer. If we think about our parents, many of us, our parents maybe passed away. Now, my, my parents are still alive, but many of you on here, you can think about your parents um, who may have you know, passed away. They got sick and they got better or they didn't, but they didn't live chronically with all of these conditions. And that's what's really happening. And so that's why we have to worry um, about that. The average cost of care in a nursing home is $10,000 a month in Pennsylvania. Um, and you know, four to $8,000 a month for assisted living and personal care. And the issue is the $10,000 medical assistance can help pay for that, but the four to $8,000, it cannot. Um, and if we go back to one of the things that we focus on, which is Alzheimer's and dementia planning, um, many times the places that you would get the best care for that, that feels the most comfortable, they're gonna be on the higher end, though they're gonna be the ones that are six, $7,000, $8,000. Um, if it's just a personal care home where you're eating, you need some personal assistance, you know, some meals, then it's gonna be on the lower end, three, $4,000 um, moving forward. There are places that have um, even in our local area. So these are, these are more statewide averages in our local area. There are assisted living and personal care homes who are um, less than that per month, um, but it's always going to, um, it's, you know, it's not going to be maybe as big of a room or as nice of a room, um, those types of things. So what is long-term care planning? It's really having the whole process of saying, okay, what happens if I get sick? What if my money's protected? What's available for care? And how do I feel about that? So some people on here can be like, okay, that's fine. I have enough money that I can pay. And some of you may say, wow, if I had to pay $10,000 a month very long, a lot of my assets would be gone. You know, how would I protect my spouse? How would I make sure I have enough money to come back home? And they're really important questions. And how we at our office would tell you to answer them is gonna be different based on your situation. For some of you, we would think about benefits like Medicare. Medicare is the insurance that we get through the Social Security Administration. That's not going to be overly helpful, just to be honest with you, um, because Medicare is not designed to pay for acute care. I mean, I'm, it's not designed to pay for long-term care. Sorry, it's designed to pay for acute care. So that's the care that I receive in a hospital. That's the care that I get sick and I either get better or I go home. For any of you on here, so I don't know about you guys, but I had three kids and um, I was never in the hospital, even when I had a C-section for more than uh, two days. I bet you there's people on here who were in the hospital for a week uh, when they had their children. My mom was in the hospital for a week after she had me and she had me by C-section. Um, but that's not what happens today. And that's part of the problem. Today, what happens is we get sick and we could go to the hospital and they could discharge us out of ICU directly to home. Um, and are we ready for that? And do we have the care? And so Medicare is a, a really good thing, but understand it only provides for acute care. I'm really sick and I need a hospital. And as soon as I start getting a little better, it's gonna stop paying. I'm either gonna go to a nursing home, which they might pay up to hundred days for, or I'm gonna go home, which they might provide some in-home care, but never long-term. 
Medicaid is through the medical is through um, our state, and it's basically where you have to have no other assets. But we don't want to have a situation. You know, many times what we do is we take your house and we put it into a trust, or we take other assets and we put it into a trust, so that if you need care, um, we don't use all of your money. Doesn't mean we're not going to use any of it, but not all of it. That's really, really important when we have a spouse because we don't want one of us to get sick and the other spouse to be left financially compromised. And so really important that we think about that. And then veterans benefits. And I always like to put this in here because people forget there are veterans who will get benefits to pay for care. They should get benefits to help pay for care. They do that because they serve during wartime. I mean, if you're a veteran, it's something you should find out for yourself. Um, I know that my uncle Tom, um, he had a place in Loyal Sock Township when he became sick. Um, he sold his house. He didn't have quite enough money to pay for an assisted living, but through the veterans, he got an extra $1,000 a month, and he was able to stay in an assisted living for many, many years quite comfortably, and it was because he was a veteran. Otherwise, he wouldn't have gotten that extra $1,000 a month supplement. So great benefits. <clears throat> so we think about long-term care. Um, we want to think about that is something we have to have a plan for. For every one of us, it might be a different plan, but it gives us peace of mind. Number four, business succession planning. Here's where I see people just don't have a plan. They come into my office and say, I want to give my, my, um, my business to my kids. And I'll say to them, well, do your kids make any business decisions now? Nope. Nope. Well, let me tell you, that's a recipe for disaster. You die tomorrow and you think your kid can take over your business and they've never made a business decision, they're not going to know how. Um, and here again, this illustrates the difference between, you know, having documents. I can easily make it go to your kids. I can easily have it go over. But is it going to be successful? Are they going to be ready? We have to have a plan for that. And so we want to think about who are the decision makers? We want to be honest about, do we have somebody who can make those decisions or should we be working on that? Um, do we want maybe a kid to make a decision, but still provide income for a spouse? So I just have a situation that I'm working on. Um, I own a business where one of the partners passed away in that business and um, the income is supposed to go to that partner's wife for the rest of his life. Um, now the other two partners are going to do the rest of the business and that works out. Um, but there's also this idea that maybe that partner's son would make some business decisions, but he may or may not be able to. And so we want to think about that. So again, the idea that it's more than just documents, we need to have a plan in place of what's really going to work and start the sooner we can start working on that, the better. Because we do want to facilitate a smooth transition of power. Um, we want to figure out um, how we can do that. And we don't want people fighting. Actually, one of the things I do quite well um, is working with families and businesses. And I've had many you know, businesses that we've had a plan and after the person's died, um, it's worked. Um, and the, the power and transition has worked um, and that business is still here today. And I think sometimes had I not been involved with you know, kind of my counseling side and forcing people to really look at um, what do they want and the clarity of that and who can actually do it is really important. Of course, we also have, you know, concerns about federal estate taxes. So when we think about this, thinking about federal estate taxes, we want to think about, again, in these political times, um, President Biden um, being elected and the Democrats controlling all of the um, 
all of the, the House um, and the Senate, um, we're likely to see some changes. Again, because of the, the crisis of the moment, maybe not right away. Um, and whether these are good changes or not really depends on where you're at. I'll kind of talk to you about part of what I think sometimes people misunderstand um, and then, you know, where I think that will go. So right now, there are two taxes we worry about when you die. The first tax is the federal estate tax. But I would imagine that most of us on here don't have to worry about that because right now, if you die, you have to have over $11 million to pay that tax. I don't know about you, um, but the tax man's not coming after me because I don't have $11 million. Um, but I don't want to be dismissive about that because in my career, when I started, um, it, that exclusion was $600,000. So either I'm really old or that went up quickly. We'll go with that went up quickly and that I'm not really old. Um, so that's one tax we worry about. And when we talk about um, President Biden, I think that $11 million will go down. So the law is set the way it was set up, it was set to sunset. That means it's gonna expire in 2025. If the Democrats didn't control the House and the Senate, I would think it would just expire in 2025. I now think there's a chance that that will be reduced earlier. Um, now, what's it going to be reduced to? Well, if it expires, it's supposed to go back to the last law before President Trump, which was $3.5 million inflation index, which would be probably about $7 million. Um, but here's a way, you know, so the, the argument behind this, this type of attacks is to mess up, to make sure that, to, that we don't have large chunks of wealth passing. Um, and so that was why it was originally done. It actually doesn't make that much money for the government. Um, I can tell you the tax return that you have to file. I've done quite a few of them, but there's attorneys around here who've never filed any of them. Um, we, I've, I started filing, I probably filed my first one of them uh, over 20 years ago, um, but again, it was 600,000. Um, we, don't, we don't have a lot of people that we're filing it for now, but that definitely can happen. Now, one of the things I will tell you is usually when they talk about moving that, that's when everybody gets upset. It always makes me like curious, like why is everybody upset? Because it doesn't affect most people, right? But there is another part of this um, that will affect everybody. And let me talk about that a little bit. The next part of it is our capital gain tax. And this would, this would affect everybody. So capital gains tax means, let's say that I buy a stock for a dollar and I sell that stock for $10, I'm gonna pay capital gains tax on $9, the difference between what I bought it for and what I sold it for. And I'm gonna pay that right now at a capital gains tax rate, which for most of us is somewhere between 10 and 20%. Probably for the majority of us, it would be 15%. So that allows me to invest money in things like real estate, stocks, and when I cash out for retirement or when I'm in retirement and I cash out, I don't pay as much cap, I don't pay as much tax because I'm paying at capital gains rates, which are less. So if you're sitting on here today and you own a lot of stock or you own a lot of real estate, this is something you're going to have to think about. And it is something that you might want to take some action on. There are two things um, that, that could happen with that. One, the rate could go up. And or we could get rid of what's called the step up in basis. So the rate going up 
it could go up to ordinary income tax rates of 43%. So if you had a piece of real estate that a $100,000 basis, I mean, you sold it for 200,000, you would get $100,000, right? Right now, let's just say you're in the 15% tax bracket, you would pay $15,000 tax, you'd have $85,000 to put in your account. But what if it goes up to 43,000? Same, 43%, I'm sorry, same scenario. I sell it for 100,000, but I'm gonna pay 43% tax, which means I'm gonna have $57,000 to put in my account instead of 85. So this is true of stocks and real estate. So for some people, you should be thinking about watching this. Again, I don't think it's gonna to happen tomorrow, but watching this and deciding what you should do with that. Um, should you sell some stuff right now um, and take the smaller tax hit? I can't tell you what's gonna happen, but this, this is a pretty strong one out there. Um, if I had to guess of something to go through, um, this has been talked about. The second part of it is getting rid of the step up in basis. So, so if, you, if I've done a state plan for you, I've assumed that there's gonna be a stepped up in basis. So I've assumed that, again, I buy that stock for a dollar, when I sell it, it's worth $10 and I have a gain of nine. But if I buy that for a dollar and I pass away and it's worth $10, my basis steps up to $10. So when I sell it, I don't pay any tax. It's called a step up in basis at death. That is another thing that they're thinking of getting rid of. That would have a huge impact on how much your children or beneficiaries end up inheriting. Now, there's not really a huge amount of action that can be taken on it. Except for if I've done your estate plan, I may have advised you not to gift to kids because it would be better for them to have it step up in basis at your death and sell it um, at no capital gains tax. And I could feel differently now um, or anybody else that you, you went with. So if it were me and I was reading about what's happening, um, this is where I would spend most of my time is this, this uh, step up in basis and the, the increase in the tax bracket. Now, I will tell you, a step up in basis has been tried twice in this nation that I know about. Um, and each time when, it, when, they get rid, when they get rid of the step up in basis, they end up abandoning it a few years later because nobody knows what anybody's basis is. Um, and honestly, if you sold something, I'd go back to the last person that died and figure out what the basis was there. Um, but I would say to you, um, record keeping and computers have really changed and that might not be such an obstacle as it was. I think the last time they did it was in the 70s. So, um, so we think about it. So that's probably the biggest impact. And again, if you think about waving a magic wand, wouldn't you want to have a plan in place that um, thinks about all of these things and make sure we get the most to your children um, possible? So from our perspective, you know, one of the things that I want to think about is it is hard to tell. Like I'm talking to you about politically what I see happening. Um, it's hard to tell what's in store for future generations, but I can tell for every one of you, the first step is to understand you have to take the step to protect yourself. Whether you go to my office or another office, that's up to you. Um, but, you know, nobody's going to come knocking on your door. Um, and saying to you, this is the plan that you need. In fact, quite honestly, if they do, that might be a scam. So you might want to run away. So, <laughs> you know, moving, moving that forward. 
So what we want to think about doing in your situation is have a, a, a strategy section to protect your future. So um, an estate and long-term care plan strategy session where we talk about your estate, your situation, and then also we couch that into politically, what do we think is going to happen and you know how will that affect us? Um, and again, I know some of you are already my clients and I may have told you X, um, do I think you have to get in here tomorrow? No, but I think you should get on a calendar um, and talk about, would I say something different or what are the things that we would look for in your situation? So you know, how does it work? First of all, we always want to ensure that your, your estate planning documents, those powers, attorneys and wills are in good order. Um, and I will tell you there doesn't a week go by that I don't see documents done by another law firm that need updated. Most recently, um, just this week, a person came in, had them done by another law firm, and they limited the gifting in it. And that's not helpful. So I have to redo them. Um, so you want to make sure whoever did them, um, that they are, um, they are helpful for this situation. What happens if you get sick? What happens if you die? Also, I will tell you, I on, on many occasions see people who have estate planning documents who are in good order and they don't need updated. And I tell them that. And it's just good to know, you know, so what we don't know. We also want to plan, develop a plan for your individual second half of life. What, did, what is it that you want? We wave that magic wand. What is important to you to make sure that we have? Um, and then also answer any questions you have about your unique situation. And of course, we're going to take um, questions today, but we may not be able to get into your unique situation. And so what all this means is at the end of our time together, you'll have the documents you need. Um, you'll know your options for long-term care. Um, and you'll have peace of mind knowing that you're ready, um, your loved ones are ready to take on the challenges of tomorrow. And whether that's you being sick or the government changing the rules on us, um, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter. We would definitely deal with all of that. We always at our firm have a written plan with recommendations. We think that's important so that if your accountant has a question or your financial advisor, if you have those, that they can ask questions and not just verbally, not me telling them and or me telling you and you telling them, but that we all can be on the same page. And then we have to work together to implement that plan. And it can take a couple of months because we have to have the documents. Sometimes we have to fund, we have to call the companies, make changes. Um, and really, I think the most important thing is that we'll walk you through that process from beginning to end. So I'm sure that many of you are wondering, you know, what does all of this cost? Um, you know, anybody who comes to our events, we do offer a free strategy session. Um, and whether or not you're a brand new client um, or you're somebody who already is our client, um, it's really important that you think about, you know, what is the strategy um, that you want? What's your plan? I know um, for some people, it's, it sounds too good to be true, but, you know, what's the catch? Well, you know, it's, it's that you can't wait to do this. You know, sometimes people, just the other day, somebody called me and said um, they, they wanted to put it on hold. Would that be okay? It's totally that person's choice to do that. But can I tell them for sure that they're not gonna get in a car accident? They're not gonna have a stroke? No, I can't tell you that about myself. You know, I hope, I pray, I don't want anything to happen, but I don't, I don't have that type of 
magic wand. My magic wand could just help you make a good plan, uh, but we don't know what the, what the future holds. Um, and so I urge everybody to, to think about doing it now. And I have to say to you, you know, the last year has been one of the hardest for me um, as an attorney, both because there's so many changes to businesses, um, so many law changes. I have to say, though, I'm also the most grateful because I think my staff has just done a great job in responding to all of this. But it's hard. You know, I deal with more people getting sick and passing away than usual. I have many longstanding clients that have passed away um, because of COVID, and, it, and it's difficult. Um, and what we want to do is we want to make sure that any client is in a situation where um, they can have peace of mind. Just yesterday, I was working from home, and one of my very longstanding clients called me, um, and he's in the hospital, and he has COVID, and he asked me if everything was okay, and I said, yeah. I said, I had, I found, you know, I had looked at your file, and everything's fine. What you want to have happen will happen, um, and that gave him great, great peace of mind. Um, difficult call for me, you know, but uh, something that I think at the end of the day, much better call than I meant to call you, Julie. I meant to get this in order. See, I had just been to his house in December and everything was updated um, and doing well. So if you want to book your strategy session, there's two ways to do that. Do the caller office at 800-351-8334, or you can send an email to info at paeldercouncil.com. Um, again, that's info at paeldercouncil.com, um, and you um, can book um, your appointment um, at that time. For anybody who um, does book their appointment, um, we do have a free gift for you. Um, it's um, a new um, book that I wrote uh, called The Magic of Gratitude, um, and so anybody who books an appointment will send you out that book. It's just a little book. Um, gratitude is something that I think um, is really important. I try to live my life um, from a perspective of gratitude and being thankful for the blessings that I have. So, you know, as the, as the hard stuff comes at me, I try to think about all the good things. You also get 10% off of any planning package. So if you come in and we sit down and we tell you, here's what we need you to do, um, and here's what that investment's going to be, you would get 10% off of that. And one of the things, one of the reasons that we do that is that we know that people who have been to events like this come in more prepared. Um, what I've said today hopefully will make you think about things. Um, and so when you interact with me, um, you will be a little bit more prepared. So again, um, you can email info at PA Elder Council um, or call our office at 800-351-8334. I'm sorry to have to keep saying this. It's so hard on a Zoom um, because some of you might be able to write this down, but I want to make sure that everybody has a chance to um, in whatever way meals feels more comfortable for you. Remember, um, you'll have the documents that you need. You'll know your options for long-term care. And I think the most important is just having peace of mind, knowing that you and your loved ones will be better prepared for the challenges of the future. This consultation is valuable for you um, because it allows you to look at your unique situation and have a dialogue with somebody who understands a lot of the pitfalls and obstacles of the future and to make sure that you're well protected in that situation. So again, if you would like to schedule a strategy session, 
info at paeldercouncil.com or 800-351-8334. And it's interesting, there's a picture of our Williamsport office there. Um, we, you know, those, those strategy sessions may not be in person. Uh, we try to be as COVID compliant and um, precautious as possible. So we do offer it via Zoom or by phone. For some of you, I know um, it feels more comfortable to be in person. And so we will make that available to you. Um, just making sure that everybody takes the precautions and feels comfortable. Of course, we'll wear our mask um, and move forward. But um, we want to make sure that it's not helpful to you if you're not able to engage in the conversation and feel comfortable. So with that, um, I'll just thank everybody for being on today.